For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In a world where Carolina Panthers fans have an insatiable thirst for Panthers news and opinions, only one podcast roars ferociously. It's the C3 Panthers podcast. What is the deal, Panther fans? It's your boy, Tony Dunn, a.k.a. The Professor. It's the C3 Panthers podcast. We are doing a short show tonight, um, New York Jets at Carolina Panthers preview. Um, hoping to get a hold of Joe Person. Um, we're still trying to get him on the line, so we'll be waiting on that. So we're either going to have Joe Person with The Athletic um, helping us get a quick preview of update on what the Panthers have been looking like in camp and what we should expect in week one, or we get stood up on the air as we uh, talk about this stuff. Right now, Cody, football is happening. Real, live, crazy football it's happening. Dak Prescott and the Cowboys are marching down the field. Uh, well, I wouldn't say marching, but they're methodical. They're moving the ball slowly, 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 slowly down the field while uh, it's third and 15 on my screen right now and uh, did not connect. So they're not moving it down. But football's here, Cody, uh, and the Panthers will be playing before you know it on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, NFL football is back. Tom Brady's old ass is at it again, uh, trying to wreak havoc for people. I'm surprised the Cowboys actually uh, came out looking pretty strong. But, uh, hey, Joe Person, you know, at least everybody gets a little impromptu C3 stream uh, for us to talk for a little bit. Um, And, yeah, I'm just pumped football is back. It seems like every single day uh, that we inch closer to the start of the season, I'm just more excited to see this defense, man. And, yeah, Sam Darnold, too, but I really have a feeling that this defense is going to smack people in the mouth, uh, and I'm pumped for it, man. Super pumped. By the we way, uh, we oh, might as well give a call. quick shout-out to, to some people in the chat room, man. Tin Tizzy, Sideshow Rob, Tim Estes, Carter Rodney, and AJ Lindsay. What's going on with you, boys? Happy you could stop in to enjoy the little impromptu stream. Um, all right, so let's go ahead and uh, just kind of run through some of the topics we're interested in uh, getting person's thoughts on if we get him get a hold of him tonight. Um, I think for me, the number one thing on my mind is progress report for Sam Darnold. Um, right now, the Carolina Panthers, uh, you know, they've moved on from Teddy Bridgewater in this past offseason. Teddy Bridgewater wins the starting job in Denver. Um, and some people believe that it really wasn't even a contest uh, all along as Fangio got the guy he wanted to be starting. It's crazy how many people love Teddy Bridgewater but us in the NFL. And yeah, then, I don't understand. Uh, I don't understand. And I do believe that uh, he will not start all season. I don't think it's because of injury. I think he gets benched at some point in the season. That's my guess. Especially (laughs) if that defense looks pretty good for the Broncos. All right. Uh, So I want a progress report on Sam Darnold, who the Panthers went and traded for. And um, I I felt like uh, early on in training camp, um, we started, we were like, oh, man interception interception it was like um a little high or buzz i don't know if it'd be buzz it would be like disappointing buzz 
about Darnold's interception rate. And then I felt like that talk went away completely, uh, especially when we started doing the joint practices. And uh, then we did get to see Sam Darnold um, in the final preseason game. It looked all right. So uh, what are your thoughts on Darnold's progression at this point, the opportunity he has with the Carolina Panthers? And do we really know much about the progress? No, I mean, I don't feel like we really know a ton other than what we've, one, seen from the preseason, and two, um, heard about from training camp and joint practices. Uh, I think Sam has really looked consistent. Uh, I mean, again, I, I think, especially when you're playing against your own guys, you're judging, well, do the Panthers have offensive woes or do we just really have a good defense? Uh, and it seems like both of those things could be true, at least uh, we'll see this Sunday. But Sam Donald, to me, doesn't really have to do too much. I mean, he d- doesn't, uh, you know, we don't have to be super impressed with him throughout preseason or training camp. I mean, that's not when meaningful football is played. Um, Sam seems very confident. A lot of people seem very confident in him. He definitely has a higher ceiling than Teddy Bridgewater ever had. So we just have to see him put it together. I think he will, and I hope he will. Um, I would say the next thing I would like to know is, does this camp, and I'll get your take on it, has this Panthers training camp seemed somewhat uneventful? Um, and maybe that's a good thing, right? Um, what Tim Tizzy said, a.k.a. no energy, Tony. You want to get up? I got to get pumped. I got to get up. Um, no. Um, Shotgun or Red Bull? I had a... I, lived a little too hard last night i'm ready for bed but um this does seem like an uneventful uh camp and maybe that's good right no injuries no major injuries that we've seen shy smith i think is the only uh notable one right in that final preseason i think it was the final preseason game um on top of that um we haven't really had the covid bug popping around here right so uh, it has been an uneventful pa- um, camp in my mind, and maybe that's a good thing. All right, guys, we got Joe Person from The Athletic. Uh, if you want intelligent, comprehensive coverage of the Carolina Panthers and all sports, I suggest you subscribe to The Athletic like I have. The link is in the show notes below. Joe Person, um, you've been the beat reporter following the Panthers for as long as I can really remember. We've been doing this podcast now for nine years and I'm pretty sure you've been on the beat the entire time. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for making me feel old, man. Uh, <laughs> 2010, 2010 was my first year. Of course, that was a miserable season, but very interesting. I mean, a lot of a lot of things going on behind the scenes that year. And, of course, that 2-14 and 14 year setting up Cam Newton, which, you know, led to 2015. And, and that great run that Ron and Cam and those guys had from 2013 to 15. But, yeah, I mean, I've I've seen a lot of good. I've seen some bad. I've seen some ugly. Um, but it's, it's, it's a great job, man. I, I had covered the Falcons some in a previous life and had, was doing a lot of college football before I came to Charlotte. So appreciate you all having me on. Man, we uh we enjoy following your work. Uh, we wanted to. I was gonna um, start off with this as we we brought you on to kind of get some insight into Panthers training camp number one, right? The conclusion of that with the preseason, but also to look ahead to Week One as the Carolina Panthers host the New York Jets. Darnold uh, facing his old team. My question right away is: uh, all eyes are on Sam Darnold, uh, at least for us. What is the progress report of Sam Darnold to this point? Uh, through training camp in the preseason? You know, I I did a column this week for The Athletic, and I was kind of brought back to um, a a comment that Robbie Anderson made after the Steelers preseason game, where I think it was a question I asked him just kind of how, as you guys know, that was Darnold's really first and only significant preseason action. Anyway, uh, Anderson said, you know, he looked comfortable and he looked pretty good. 
And I really think that was my takeaway from Sam Darnold throughout much of training camp. Like it wasn't spectacular, but it wasn't bad. You know, it wasn't like awful, you know, because you guys know the, the scouting report on him were all these interceptions and turning the ball over. But um, just the fact that he protected the football, um, he, he was not, you know, was not putting them behind the chains. And I think Robbie Anderson said it best. He was pretty good. And that might be enough. Like if you get a healthy Christian McCaffrey back, you have these weapons, you have a very young ascending defense I really think that pretty good might be good enough for the 2021 Carolina Panthers. Did you find this training camp to be uneventful and uh, somewhat vanilla? I feel like uh, in the past, it's like every time we're getting uh, like these little videos. And like you said, is that it was just like pretty good when it comes to Darnold. (laughs) I don't feel like has it been a little more buttoned up in uh, rules second year or is that just me not? getting every detail that I feel like we've gotten in the past? Yeah, you know what? It's a great question, and I do think some of camp was uh, a little bit, uh, as you say, a little blah. Um, But then there were days where the defense, like I'm I'm thinking of one of the last days, maybe the very last day it was when they played the – when they were practicing against the Ravens, and they had like five takeaways against the Ravens. You know, they, they saw Lamar, and then they were playing the Ravens' second teamers too. But the, the, the bottom line was uh, Davion Nixon that day had two picks, including a pick six. Dante Jackson had an interception. Shaq Thompson had his interception. So, like, that was an exciting day, and I really think – Listen, they're not. I don't know that they're going to go out and get five interceptions in week one, but I think they're going to take the ball away from from Zach Wilson. I think this defense, especially the way uh, Phil Snow calls it, with a very uh, you know multiple coming at you from all different angles, I think they are going to be a takeaway type defense. I think it starts against a rookie quarterback Sunday in Zach Wilson. Joe Cody here, co-host for C3. Glad you could join us. Um, I actually do want to shift to that defense because that's one of the things that Panther fans are pretty much unanimous on. We get this feeling that this defense has a chance to be really vicious, especially if you look at this early schedule. I mean, there is a ton of opportunities for interceptions, but especially looking at the way Scott Fitterer has built this defense, uh, specifically on the edges with Brian Burns and Hassan Reddick, we get the feel that this defense is going to be much more physical, a lot faster. Do you get that feeling that this defense has the potential to be something special or should Panther fans kind of temper their expectations? Yeah, I do. I mean, are there some potential holes, uh, you know, at, at middle linebacker maybe with, with uh, Jermaine Carter, who I think solid. Um, I, I think some, the safety depth, you know, hopefully, you know, those guys, the chin and Burris stay healthy. Although, you know what? I, I was about to knock the safety depth, but I think Sean Chandler really stepped up this this preseason. Now, will it carry over into regular season games for a guy that really hadn't done much in the league? You know, who knows? But no, no I'm with you, Cody, man. Like, I, I think the defense, I think Brian Burns is just terrific. I mean, I I'd be shocked if he doesn't finish with like 12 sacks this year. I think Hassan Reddick's going to be a nice addition too. I think his, I think he's going to have a hard time matching last year's numbers. I, you know, I, and I, and I wrote about this too. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. You know, I, I don't think he's going to fall off the map. I think maybe he's like a six, seven sack, six or seven sack type guy, as opposed to 12 and a half, like he had last year. Yeah, I think they're going to get production from other people. I think Morgan Fox, a guy we haven't talked about, I haven't written about very often. And, you know, Phil Snow really likes him as a – you guys know how Snow loves these chess pieces. I think they're going to use Fox inside on, on like, third down. I think think he's going to be kind of a run-stopper type dude on first and second. And then he's going to go inside, and they think, you know, his speed, they might be able to – his speed might not show up on the edge like Burns does and Reddick's, but inside, I think they 
feel like Morgan Fox can really create some mismatches as they just try to put their best four or five edge rush or excuse me, pass rushers rushers on the field. This is kind of a hot take question and not like a hot take, but is, is Phil snow the best coach on this staff? <laughs> like that's something where he's our favorite anyway, right? As just like as fa- as fans on the sideline, like we like the scrap, the scruffy Phil snow and man, that defense got better each week last year with some real limitations uh, personnel wise. Um, and I would say that the offense didn't get better each week last year. It kind of started out hot for, and there were some different times where we thought, man, we were starting to see some little things, but what do you think about that? That's my take is Phil snow, best coach on this staff. I mean, you make a strong case for him, uh, for the reasons you just mentioned. And just, I mean, his scheme is very innovative. Uh, it's different. I mean, I remember Aaron Rodgers after that, what was that, week 15? <laughs> of course, they ended up losing, but he said, you know, like it took, I feel like he said it took him like a half to really kind of figure out what the Panthers were doing. He said it was like a college look. And, you know, in year two, that, that it, this will be a great test for Bill Snow because there is a, a season's worth of tape now out on that defense. And so what may have caught the Green Bay Packers and a bunch of other teams by surprise last year. My, I mean, these, these guys, like, there's no secrets in the NFL, uh, you know, certainly when you come to year two. And so I think that's going to be incumbent on Phil Snow to do some self-scouting. Um, and, and I, I think he's a very smart guy who's, you know, forgotten more football than a lot of young coaches, you know, even know. Um <clears throat> But, but you know, I want to see what Joe Brady does in year two also. Look, he – frankly, a couple of Teddy Bridgewater's criticisms were on the mark that whether or not they practiced it, whatever, the bottom line was red zone and two-minute offense last year were bad. And they were responsible for some of those late-game losses, a lot of which we all sort of put on Teddy's shoulders, and he deserved the blame for some of them. But I thought Joe Brady deserved the blame for a couple of them, too. So if he is like the next up-and-comer, LaFleur brother, Sean McVay prototype, I want to see more out of him in this offense this year, two-minute in red zone. You know, we would be remiss if, if we didn't at least ask you once about this offensive line going into this season. Matt Rule has now famously – called it I-85, uh, a work in progress. And, I mean, I'll be honest, a lot of Panther fans didn't necessarily take to that comment too well. It didn't really <laughs> give a lot of a, a lot of faith in the protection in front of Sam Darnold. Knowing that this is, one, such an important year for Sam uh, and just trying to rejuvenate his career, what do you make of this offensive line as it is? Because I have been a long believer that – I kind of feel that the the offensive line that the Panthers start the year with won't necessarily be the formation that they finish with. Um, I, I, I continue to think that Taylor Bolton probably could play left tackle, and this is something that we've been talking about a lot. So we wanted to get your take and opinion on this offensive line formation, and do you think it's going to hold up uh, to the rigors of week one? Certainly the biggest question mark on the team. I mean, I don't think there's welcome to Carolina. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Man, for however, the same conversation years, every year. No doubt. I mean, listen, that's what you get when you try to address left tackle in the second round with Greg Little. And I know they traded up, but it's still it was it was the 38th or 39th pick, whatever it was. Um it's what you get when you wait this year to the third round to take an offensive tackle. I mean, if you want Jordan Gross's successor, I can't believe we're still talking about this, but it is what it is. You got to draft those guys like in the first seven or eight picks. And they didn't do it last year. They didn't do it this year. I mean, they haven't done it, period. You know, and, you know, some of it was bad luck. If we want to retrace the history a little bit, like, Nobody thought Michael Orr was going to just have concussions end his career uh, in, in 2016 early 
after he'd had a pretty darn good year during the Super Bowl year. Matt Khalil, we should have seen coming, and so should should have Dave Gettleman. But but, but Cody, coming back to to this year, yeah, I mean, I – you can't sugarcoat it. Like I, I'm with you. I don't think this line as it's currently constituted is going to be very good. I don't, I don't know that they're going to be one of the worst. They might be serviceable. Um, you know, I, I, I thought all along Dennis Daly was going to be in the starting lineup. I thought it would be eventually, I thought it would be on the left side in place of Pat Elfline instead of replacing John Miller, who's in the COVID protocol. And so you know, Dennis, Dennis Daly's not a bad player. He really isn't. We, you know, we, we dump on Herney for that 2019 draft class, and there were a lot of misses. But Dennis Daly looks like he could join Brian Burns for at least being, you know, a salvageable at least. <laughs> draft. But, yeah, I don't – you know, Cam Irving's the key to it. I mean, I, I think you can get by with, with bad or decent guard play. You can't get by in this league if one of your tackles, especially a left tackle, is substandard. And I wanted to kind of continue to to go on that one more time. Uh, I know uh, Brady Christensen played a lot of right tackle throughout this training camp and preseason, and especially knowing that one, Cam Irving has a history of injury going back with the Cowboys, but also that Taylor Moten is lifted, listed at number two. Um, at, at left tackle. So it kind of seems like that's their backup plan anyway. Did you feel at any point in time Taylor, uh, Brady Christensen was ever in consideration to start at one side or the other? Or was his, was his plan always to be that backup right tackle should Taylor end up having to move? Yeah, I think they wanted to see what they had in him. And I think, you know, they viewed him, you know, they're – it's funny. Fitterer comes from a place in Seattle that was very specific about some certain measurements, especially like they wanted like corners with 33 inch arms or 32. I forget the number, but you can go through their draft history in Seattle. And that, you, know, you had 31 inch arms. You weren't getting as a corner. You weren't getting drafted. And they yeah. pretty specific about that with with left tackle here and length in terms of arm length and everything. And they don't think that Brady Christensen is, is long enough and has that length. And they didn't, frankly, they didn't draft him to be a left tackle. Like we said earlier, if you're waiting to the third round, you're not getting your, your left tackle of the future. You're, you're getting a guy who might be a pretty good player. And I think Brady Christensen is going to be a good player. I think it's going to be on the right side. Uh, You know, Cody, could it be this year? Maybe. I mean, maybe, you know, maybe at right guard, depending on how John Miller plays when he comes back off of COVID. I, I want to ask. I want to ask Rule tomorrow about uh, Miller's status for next week because I mean he's not going to come back until by the middle of next week. So he may be for for all I know, he may be a scratch for the Saints game too. I don't know that he is, but certainly the potential is there. So uh, I like Brady Christensen. I really do. I and I just I. And I think we might see him before the year's out, but I'm I'm almost certain it'll be on the right side. What uh, were there any surprises when it came to this roster when they made the final cut? And uh, and we can kind of look at this in two ways as specific players, but or we could even look at this as right now there's this whole kicking game, the return game, as well as the kicker Joey Sly's released after. Really given the keys, right? Zero competition. We had heard that he had been seeing the sports psychologist in the offseason through the Carolina Panthers. And it felt like they were, by not having another kicker in here, they were trying to really boost his confidence in a way and saying, we believe in you. This is going to happen. And uh, he didn't give them any reason to. Um, he didn't make it easy on them. They gave him a lot of chances to. Uh, so we have a new kicker who's a giant, giant man. Uh, with the greatest mustache, at least from all these pictures. You got to love this stash. Uh, By the same time, we have no idea who's going to be returning punts to the fact that we keep coming around to DJ Moore in critical situations. Juba Hubbard, he can't even catch the ball out of the backfield. He's going to be our uh, kickoff return guy. What's going on with this roster, particularly with those kickers return game first and your just overall thoughts on this 
kind of fine. I think it, I think Erickson's going to end up being the punt returner. I know they you know they they signed him last week or claimed him, I guess, and uh, they've they've got him on practice squad right now. But I've heard Matt Rule talk about him enough that maybe it's not this week. But I think ultimately, I mean, the guy. You know, he was as recently as last year, I think he was like in the top seven in the league in punt returns. So, you know, he 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 had averaged 10 yards per punt return last year, which was about twice what Farrell Cooper averaged here. So the guy's pretty good. And so I just don't think you go bring a guy like that in and sign him and just let him rot on your practice squad. I think I'll be. Frankly, I'll be a little surprised if they don't make that move like tomorrow and you know, bring them up in a little bit. Maybe I'm wrong. I've been, I've been doing this 11 years, 12 years. I've been wrong a couple times, but and I, I think if it's not this week, uh, Erickson will be the the punt returner sooner rather than later. Surprises uh, was your first part of your question. Nothing like high up on the roster. I, I was not surprised at all about David Moore. I thought he had a very ho-hum camp. He just – where Terrace Marshall was standing out at practices, Moore was sort of just a guy. Uh, I mean, he didn't do anything, like, terrible. You know, it wasn't like a guy – it wasn't like Joey Sly where it was, where it was so obvious. But he just didn't or do anything. Russell Shepard. Remember Russell Shepard? You know, like oh, wow, there's thing. a blast from the past. <laughs> or how about Sehi Ajira Tutu? Oh, God. oh wow! Uh, but when it comes to that, is uh, oh, we were just talking about um, Terrace Marshall Jr. talking about David Moore. Strange, kind of strange thing to me about the roster is the guys that they brought in in free agency are the guys that they shipped out. <laughs> Denzel Perryman gone. I mean, Hassan Reddick's the only one that made the dang cut. It feels like F line, but uh, Hassan, uh, what was it? Um, Perryman, Denzel Perryman traded. Uh, yeah. away and uh, the other was David Moore is that that's kind of odd isn't it a little bit uh it didn't speak too well of of the free agency class to be sure oh yeah. you know of course Cam Irving and, and Alfline you mentioned we'll see I mean they they were among the lowest rated offensive linemen in the last three years but yeah man Perryman that was a big miss like not that they gave him like just life-changing money but you know just just to like i don't even think he was a good fit for them just with the program and the brand that that rule likes to talk about like from the first day of camp when he showed up and he's waving around the speeding ticket and he's like got a helmet on like a panther helmet on in the parking lot at wafford and just is like i don't you know i don't they don't want them all to be like you know, robots like look at Robbie Anderson. I mean, <laughs> they're okay with personality, but I just some about Perryman was a bad fit, and and the, the few times he was on the field, he didn't do anything. And uh, you know that I, I can't disagree with you. I mean, they missed badly on him, and uh, you, you can't help but say they missed on David Moore too. I wanted to ask you real quick about Matt Rule before before you left us tonight. And once again, thank you for your time. We appreciate you answering some questions from us tonight. But how do you think Matt Rule's transition from college to the NFL has been? Uh, you know, it, last year was his first year in the NFL. And, and what a year it was, too, with COVID and not having a training camp. You know, no fans in the stands. I mean, in a lot of ways, this season, uh, even going to Wofford has been a brand new thing for him. How do you think he's made that transition? And do you feel like he's moving along that trajectory that David Tepper saw in him and how he turned around Temple and Baylor? So great question. I think Matt Rule's a smart guy. I think he knows situational football. Um, I think he knows a lot about pretty much every position. He's coached all, you know, coached offense, defense, special teams. All that said, I think he still has to evolve into more of an NFL coach. And by that, I mean, you know, it's fine your first year to, to, to surround yourself with a bunch of Baylor and Temple guys. But at like some point, you got to realize that like there are some 
other fish in the ocean <laughs> and and some of them are bigger faster stronger than the than the ones you coached at baylor and temple listen they they hit well with robbie anderson i mentioned sean chandler earlier although he's you know kind of a reserve player um it, it, i just think as they evolve i think this is a team with a ton of cap space uh coming up the next couple years and if they need to go, you know, Matt Rule needs to go coach some people other than than the folks I just mentioned. So it, it all comes down to quarterback, right? Like we we can talk and, and we can talk all we want about these other positions, and we should, and they're important. But since Matt Rule got here, you know, he and Herney went and got Bridgewater. That they talk about punting quickly, and now he and Fitterer went and got Darnold. And so if they go over two right out of the gate, then, you know, then I, then I think seriously, we have to really question their evaluation skills when it comes to the most important position on the field. And will rule get another year? If, you know, if, let's say they go like five and 12 or six and 13. Well, they wouldn't be that six and 11. I'm still clearly math was not my strong suit. <laughs> We're getting used to it too. Still, uh, I know. I swear. I, incidentally, I picked the Panthers to go nine and eight. I, they, this feels like a team that in the yeah. old would be eight and eight. So I think they're eight and nine, nine and eight, whatever. Point is, I think Matt Rule will get another year unless the wheels completely fall off. But he better hope, and Scott Fitter better hope, like that they got the quarterback thing right i mean they didn't give up a ton of of draft capital i understand it was you know it's not like they went and got deshaun watson and gave up the farm but speaking of which if they have enough if you know if if darnold's not the answer then i think we're gonna hear a lot of speculation about deshaun watson really but then since you mentioned it let's kind of go on that a little because we keep on hearing the panthers name attached to Deshaun Watson. And obviously that comes with such a bag of worms uh, considering what he's dealing with now. But we know that David Tepper, you know, spent a lot of money on, on the NFL football team and he wants to turn around on his investment. Do you get the feel that if David Tepper believes that this team is a Deshaun Watson away, that he would give up, you know, the potential three first round picks and potentially players that the Texans are looking to get in return for Deshaun? I think Tapper is all about making the, um, about making a big splash. I mean, that's sort of his personality. I think he was the first one that wanted to punt on, on Teddy. Um, and I don't think he would hesitate a moment to punt on Darnold after just one year. Even, you know, I know they picked up the fifth year option, they show they'll they'll eat that money. They'll pay to not have Teddy Bridgewater play for them this year. Can they handle all the PR stuff with Deshaun Watson? A lot of it depends. Like, and, and I listen. I'm not, and I'm seeing some of the com- comments here too. Um, but I and I may have been putting the the wagon out in front of the horse a little bit. We need to see how this is going to go in in civil court and maybe criminal court before all is said and done. But um, I think so. I, I think the, would the Panthers be interested? Absolutely. Uh, could they handle the PR thing? I mean, I think every I think every market has to, have, and every organization has to have that conversation. And I think you figure, you know what this this will pass. We're going to have to deal with a couple months, maybe a whole season of protests outside our building. But it, you know, would Tepper do it? I think he would. Is Shaq Thompson a disappointment? Shaq Thompson? Uh, I think Shaq Thompson's solid. I'll say that. I, I, I wouldn't call him a disappointment, no. Um, you know, I, he, didn't, he didn't tell, you know, he didn't hold a gun to Marty Herney's head to give him that contract. I mean, that's <laughs> the contract Herney Another gave Another bad contract. I think, Shaq's, oh, I think Shaq's fine and solid. I would like to see Shaq take the next step to become a Pro Bowl type player. Can he do it? 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he hadn't yet. I mean, now what is this? Year five or six? So maybe this is the maybe this is as best as you're going to see out of Shaq Thompson. Which <laughs> we're back to that phrase again. Pretty good. Pretty good. What do you think? Uh, tell us as fans on opening week, the Panthers hosting New York Jets. What are you going to be looking at? throughout that game i mean obviously we're all watching the game we're gonna look at darnold and stuff but like how how are you mentally preparing i guess to cover this game on sunday that's a great question uh i mean i want to look a lot at cam irving um as i said earlier i think he he's the key because if he if he can't do it and you have to start thinking about shifting moton over I, I just think you end up making yourself weaker in two positions. I mean, Taylor Moten's best position is the right side. It just is. He's got so many more reps there. I mean, I think he's on the verge of becoming a Pro Bowl right tackle. And I think he goes to the left side and he's sort of back, not at back, I won't say back at square one, but he's not knocking at the door for a Pro Bowl. So I'm, you know, I'm going to look a lot at Irving uh, Santoso to me is fascinating. Something I, another thing I kind of wanted to ask rule about this week and I'm maybe I will tomorrow. Um, is this sort of a one game tryout for Santoso? Because they don't know the giants that pick if Ryan Santoso is not on the roster in week two. And so Santoso like, and, and listen, I think it's a great story. I, I did an interview with him last week. He was great, funny, smart, all those things. But that 52-yarder that he made against the Steelers, like, let's not forget, like, that caromed off Boink. the upright. Like, that wasn't split in the uprights. So, and, and, like, just what this team and this market needs is yet another kicker drama. But I don't think it's out of the question. If he were to come out and like, you know, let's say go one for three and miss two, you know, two forty-eight and a fifty-two yard kick, I don't think it's out of the question that Dominic Everly is the kicker in week two against the Saints. Cause he, you know, right now he's on right behind Santoso. I like a good story. I hope Santoso does not do that, but I it, it is interesting to think about if he could be on a one game con uh, one game. Yeah, as you bring that up, uh, one of the things in the past I felt like is that when we played teams in the preseason, we were kind of looking at the guys they were going to cut <laughs> um, and and doing some valuation. Verity, I think it's Jason. I should know it. I'm an ECU alum, an ECU fan. Jason Verity, Jake Verity. I think it's Jason Verity. Um, he's been he's the Baltimore special, man. They bring in a kicker every year. Um, they know that Justin Tucker is going to be the kicker, and then they let him showcase his talent, and they go trade him. wonder why. Why were we so – I guess I feel like the names that we picked, just – I don't know. Why Why did they go after Santoso? Like, what was it? Was he just slaying it in New York or something? He was. I mean, to, okay. to be fair, talking to people around the league, like, they were like, look, this guy would be a starting kicker on a lot of other teams. Not the Ravens and not the Giants, and but, but he he is well thought of. He's got a strong leg. I don't know that he's got as strong a leg as Joey Sly, but he's been more accurate. Like, but here's the thing: he's never he's never kicked an extra point or a field goal in a regular season game. So, I when I interviewed him last week, I thought I was talking to a pretty cool, level-headed dude who didn't seem like the moment would be too big for him. Like, I don't think he's going to get out there and like, you know, pee down his leg. Like, yeah, I, I yeah. think the dude, I think, I think he's going to have some ice in his veins, but until he does it, we don't know. You could see the weight almost uh, when, when that doinked off the, the post and then went in, you could almost see the kind of uh, like the tension <laughs> and just release off of his face. He was smiling and you could be like, man, things are going to get easier for him. And then you look over at Joey Sly and it's just like dripping sweat. Poor guy's saying prayers on the sideline. Um, all right. So you're going to look at Irvin. You're going to look at um, this kicker drama, kicker story. Um, and I guess we got to look at Chris McCaffrey coming back. Heck yeah. yeah. And this yeah. defense. Yeah. Hey, just FYI, unless I move my computer, I'm just about out of battery. Um, 
We're gonna we're we'll let you go at this question anyway. Yeah, well, not now, and I I can go find my plug. I just my kid. You, I didn't think you wanted my kids and the dog in the background, so I brought <laughs> the laptop upstairs. Um, I'm excited to see McCaffrey. Could he go out and get hurt Sunday? Absolutely, but I don't. It's not going to be because he's injury prone or he's out of shape. Or, I mean, the guy is a workout freak. He's in the best shape of anyone on this team. And last year was just a fluke. I mean, the, the third injury would have been the one I was most concerned about because he did it kind of working out on his own. It sounded like I thought they should have had a little better handle on that. But he's in great shape. I think he's going to have a good year, and he's going to be um, Sam Darnold's best friend. All right, Joe Person with The Athletic. Yeah, I've got the link uh, to the invite link to The Athletic in the show description. I encourage you guys to use that link specifically because then it's going to hook me up with a discount next year on my <laughs> subscription. Um, no, I want him to hit the link on my Twitter so then I get credit. That for- you get the bonus. <laughs> All right, go to Joe Person's link on his Twitter. Either one, check out The Athletic. I like the comprehensive co- coverage. How can they follow you on Twitter, Joe? At Joseph Person. I'm trying. I'm getting a lot of nice comments here. I don't know how to leave a comment, so I'll just say All thank right. you. Where'd you go to college at? Not Appalachian State. I went. That's Darren Gant. I tried to tell them that's Darren Gant. <laughs> I was at William and Mary a long time ago. I played football actually with Mike Tomlin. Oh wow! Oh wow! I don't cool. know fact. Awesome. And, yeah, and, and I, I know he went and did something with them just two years ago, and he like uh, brought like I forgot what he did. He like went and did a coaching session for them, and then bought the kids all like new pads or something like that. Hey, we got a lot of William and Mary. Uh, Sean McDermott, I missed him by one year at William & Mary. And then Joe Brady, I missed by a lot of years at William & Mary. <laughs> we'll yeah. be looking to see if the wonder boy, Joe Brady. Is he the wonder boy? I hope this offense cooks a little different this year. All right, Joe, thanks so much for your time. Well, hopefully we can catch up sometime later in the season with you, see how things are going. Appreciate it, guys. Y'all have a good weekend. Appreciate it. All right, guys, uh, that's Joe Person with The Athletic. Cody, um, What'd you get? What'd you learn? Man, I that mean, we, that uh, we know uh, what we're talking about. We're sitting here watching all yeah, this stuff, and he's I mean, watching really. the same mess. And you know, we've said a lot of those same things too. That if Sam Donald flames out, we're gonna have to have a real question about our front office's ability to evaluate the quarterback position. And you know, that's something that we've been saying, and I think that's something that remains true. Um, you know, I think he also kind of echoed a lot of what we said about the defense and, and how this defense, you know, the, the depth isn't great at linebacker and safety. And again, you know, we already knew that, but based on what our defensive line looks capable of doing the defensive backfield, um, you know, he predicted a nine and eight or eight and nine kind of team. Uh, so that's middle of the pack, you know, kind of That's kind of where I'm at. I mean, it's the safe, it's the reasonable one, right? Is that if you say we're going to stink, that's just kind of being negative, Nelly. If you say we're going to go 12 and what, five, that's almost a little too half full for a right. <laughs> it's easy just to hit the fairway. And yeah. that's what I'm at. I think we're a 500 team, roughly, like about and, that. Now, we could he, be better. We could be better, and we could be worse. And by the way, he also said very plainly that, uh, you know, he doesn't have a whole lot of faith in this offensive line. He even flat out agreed with me that the starting formation probably isn't going to be what we end up end up with at the end of this year. So um, I feel like that's probably where everyone's trepidation is right now. Even Joe Person is saying that that's the most, um, you know, talked about line position group, you know, on the team. So it, it really does seem as though um, everything kind of rests in the hands of our offensive line at this point. But again, we already knew that too. When I learned one thing, and I wish if we had more time, you know, that that's the thing is we could go on chasing these rabbits all all night. Uh, but when he said that moving on from Teddy Bridgewater, he believes was a David Tepper initiated move. 
I got, uh, I do get the sense that Tepper was hearing what we were saying, you know, like the fans and people. I mean, it was pretty clear. Teddy couldn't push, right? It was, I mean, it was pretty clear he couldn't push the ball downfield. I am curious if we get to look back in retrospect at this moment and get some inside information down the line. Were Matt Rule and Joe Brady? I got the sense that Matt Rule was tired of Teddy. Like he realized it, but Joe seemed to suggest or imply that this was more driven from the top. Yeah. And once again, he said another name that a lot of fans don't want to talk about, but he, it, it continues to be a story out there related to the Carolina Panthers. And like it or not, it's Deshaun Watson. Joe mentioned it again. And, you know, it kind of confirms this belief. You know, he said that David Tepper was the one who punted on Teddy Bridgewater, and he made a really good point there, too, is that we didn't mind eating the money in order to move on from Teddy. So it's not unrealistic to think that we would do the same thing with Sam Darnold if you really failed to impress. Um, and, again, it's just so much crazy stuff surrounding Deshaun. But And, Tony, I've said this on our podcast a bunch of times. I think that all of our biggest moves at quarterback this past few years – have come directly from David Tepper. I think David Tepper wanted us to move on from Cam Newton, and I think David Tepper was the one that wasn't truly ever sold on Bridgewater and said, "No, nah, we're not going to do this again." Uh, so now they're going to. You try might be right, bro. You might be right. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what it's uh, it's sounding like. Uh, what else did we learn? We really is. Uh, I, I think I was. We learned that I was right. That this has been kind of a ho hum camp, like just. And you know, and even the the fact that he said that Perryman didn't fit the brand, yeah. Um, I thought, and then there was the vaccination discussion. I didn't want to get into. It. I did want to ask, do you think that had something to do with it? But, um, it's interesting that that he seems like that this this coaching staff wants this to be a very just go to go to work. Uh, yeah. type environment and that's what this camp felt like it felt uneventful and maybe that's a good thing uh you know where we're not too high or too low on sam Darnold, we're not going crazy i think the intensity did ramp up with the defense towards the end uh 10 uh i gotta get david newton on this show i'm gonna get him on a preview for a week this year and i will ask him do you do it on purpose or is an accidental genius. We we will ask him, and we have to do right by these Panther fans. And if we get if we get him on here, we have to ask him all the hard questions. Like we we have to do our due. We have to be legit journalists, Tony Dunn, and talking to to David Newton. But I agree, we need to make it happen. And uh, I gotta yeah, ask I him: Do you stumble fun. into genius? Or is it intentional or is it just uh, a disaster? And uh, the most recent one is that he put, and I don't know if we talked about this on Tuesday's show, but uh, he put that Dennis Daly will replace John Miller at right uh, tackle. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Just like, all right. Um, all right. The game is on Sunday. One o'clock. We'll be doing a post game show. We hope all of you guys can tune in. Call in. The number's 252-228-5098. Let's try to limit it to one call per person if possible. Uh, so make sure you game plan your call. Um, don't call in at the first quarter after a pick. And then Donald throws three touchdowns. And then you got to come back and say, I'm sorry for overreacting. Think about what you want to say. Uh, so we can move that post game along. We've got uh, someone from uh, Play Like a Jet. I believe her name is Casey. She is a J. Uh, I got to go look up her name. I still got to get her contact info. So she's going to come on Giant uh, um, JC Horn fan. And she's going to come on and just talk about, you know, for a few minutes after the game, what she saw on the field. We'll be here. I encourage all of you to smash the thumbs up button, subscribe, hit the notification bell. If you're on YouTube, Facebook, tune, uh, or Periscope, don't forget that this is podcasted, syndicated as an audio podcast on all the major podcast outlets. 
Um, so just Google Carolina Panthers podcast, find the C3 Panthers podcast. That's the name of the show. Uh, and subscribe and be a part of our community. Cody, how can they find you? Um, actually, um, tomorrow you got so are you doing the free for all this oh you already know hey (laughs) if it's a friday then you already know it's gonna be a free for all uh we will try our best to keep it pg-13 with everybody's clothes on uh god willing but yeah man listen we're gonna do a friday free for all tomorrow at 7 p.m uh anybody's welcome to come on there and chill and tell me what they think uh about this panthers matchup we have coming up and then yeah we will be live after the game on Sunday, uh, here to react with all of you awesome Panther fans uh, about all the happenings of uh, the most recent matchup with the Jets. So, Ten, watch out for us. Ten got a good comment. He said he calls it the freak for all. Oh, <laughs> shit. Oh, love it. All right. Um, if my there's going to be Dunn. nudity, I at least hope that it's not just men all the time. I know. Um <laughs> My name's Tony Dunn. They call me the professor. You're listening to the C3 Panthers podcast. Big uh, thanks to Joe Person's insight um, as we continue try to bring you um, kind of impromptu, not impromptu, but shorter uh, focused discussions. We got some good stuff coverage with the Jet. I meant with the Saints coming up next week. So stay tuned for those previews. Uh, and we're going to keep rolling this out. Follow me on Twitter at cat underscore chronicles. You can find my man. Cody Lack on Twitter. And uh, until then, keep pounding. Take us out of here, Cody. Keep pounding, y'all. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.